0: know, a, a little bit of everything. A little bit of, you know, different baseball news, uh, different uh, hockey, you know, updates, different things that are going on in the world of sports. But I wake up on this Monday morning, and I notice that it seems like that the top thing that's going to be going on, especially during this show, is NBA news. And I say this because not only did we get... The uh, final uh, participants for the uh, conference finals, we know who's going to be the final four, if you want to call it that, in the NBA. The Western Conference, OKC upsetting the favored, heavily favored, I-, I believe, San Antonio Spurs to advance to the conference finals. And now take on the defending champion, Golden State Warriors. That series starts tonight in Oracle. You got the other series in uh in the Eastern Conference, which should be very interesting, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and Toronto Raptors. I don't know if people caught that uh that Cleveland, Believeland uh, 30 for 30 this past weekend. Very good stuff. But uh, not only that, that's that's not even the biggest story today. We have the announcements of coaches going on I believe within this hour the Indiana Pacers and the Brooklyn Nets are introducing uh, new coaches and uh, that's going to be happening within the next couple of minutes apparently that's why I'm, I'm seeing the press releases that there will be announcements of their new coaches uh, Kenny Atkinson for the uh, Brooklyn Nets and for the Indiana Pacers we just heard Nate McMillan will be promoted from the assistant coach to becoming head coach now so there's a uh, definitely a lot of a lot of things going on within this hour. We're gonna do some live look-ins on both of them, or live listenings, I should say. So bear with us that'll be happening this hour. I just this is one of the, the joys of doing a live radio show at this time you get these live breaking news moments and are able to, to carry them as far as we can. Uh, a lot of this is coming through Nba.com so uh, bear with us as we uh, as we get the audio we will share it with you live here on sports social. Now, uh, another, another uh, press conference just wrapped up, and that was for the Rookie of the Year in the NBA, and that goes to none other than Carl Anthony Towns. I think we pretty much all knew this one. He got a unanimous decision win, so uh, we had a unanimous MVP in Steph Curry and a unanimous Rookie of the Year in Carl Anthony Towns. This shows how dominant these two have been for the year, so congratulations to both of those guys and uh, for what they have for their franchises because especially the Minnesota Timberwolves this is back to back years last year obviously Andrew Wiggins took home the award and now you get Carl Anthony Towns and a possible another top pick this year we're going to find out tomorrow actually for the lottery so th- there's definitely a lot of optimism within Minnesota in terms of what they're going to do uh, can you imagine Like if Ben Simmons goes to Minnesota you got Ben Simmons, you got Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns all on one team that's incredible. But hey, anything's possible. Anything is possible. And Minnesota has a uh, nice setup there. Tom Thibodeau obviously take it over as the uh, VP and head coach for the upcoming season. So it's going to be a, a pretty fun ride if you are a fan of the Minnesota Timberwolves moving forward. Also, I would like to um, point out that Chris Porzingis finished second- oh. In that in that vote, he got all the second place votes for the most part. Also on there, uh, Devin Booker, the uh, exciting rookie from the Phoenix Suns, another Kentucky product, and um, DeAndre Russell finished ninth. Plenty of reasons for it. Could say he wasn't playing that well, or you know, some people didn't like his actions. Uh, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. I don't want to have too much speculation. As to why, he only finished ninth in the voting, but, you know, each his own. I I just feel like D'Angelo Russell, you know, he had a decent year for a guy. Started off very slow. I think he started picking up towards the end of the year, but then, uh, of course, everything kind of got kicked to the side in terms of his talent because of what he did off the court. But uh, he's a young player, and you kind of hope that he can bounce back and uh, make the adjustment for his uh, his team. And for his own career, for that matter, I mean... The guy's a, a talented player, but you want to make sure that he's, you know, he's, he's staying out of trouble. He has things working out for him because that's a, that's an ugly situation to be in. I mean, let's let's be completely honest. D'Angelo Russell is a young talent. You don't want his uh, career to be basically marred in that. And the fact that, you know, he, he was known for snitching on a teammate, if you want to call it that, this past season. So uh, we'll see. But he was a surprise. I, I remember going into the year thinking that he would be the better rookie. And uh, just didn't, it just doesn't seem like it's going to uh, add up for him. So uh, a tough situation for D'Angelo Russell, but what can you do? But uh, once again, we're going to be awaiting uh, press conferences from both the Indiana Pacers and the Brooklyn Nets. going to play some clips from uh, Carl Anthony Towns accepting his Rookie of the Year award. Uh, big show, and also we're going to break down a little bit with the uh, Game 7 that happened yesterday. Pretty uh, fun Game 7, even though it ended in a blowout. The Toronto Raptors beating, uh, pretty much beating up the uh, Miami Heat towards the end of that game. And uh, we'll play like the most of the highlights from that fourth quarter where Toronto just started to uh, to separate themselves from the team. How about Dwayne Wade? The guy at 34 years old, you're, you're talking about him being done, saying that he doesn't have it anymore. We, we heard it all. I mean, the guy... Came out there, got the job done, have nothing but the utmost respect for him. Nothing but the utmost respect. I just feel like that's the way you have to go out. And I don't mean go out as in like, oh, well, he's leaving now. Like, this is last year. That's far from it. I think he just showed people that he's not, he's not as beat up as we originally thought he was. So definitely congratulations to him. At least for proving the world, proving to the world that he is still that guy in Miami, and whether now Miami does resign him, uh, that's still to be known. I mean, the guy is up there in age, and yes, he was only on one-year deal. But he wanted to bet on himself, and he did a good bet. I'm gonna be curious to see what team would try to throw money at him. Either way, you know, like that's that's the big deal. Uh, the Toronto Raptors obviously needed that win. This is uh, great for their franchise. For the first time ever making it to the conference finals, feel good for Dwayne Casey. I think the guy, very underrated coach, does a good job with that team. And now he's uh, finally got this team over that hump. Because remember before they were this close, we getting knocked out of the first round again. And uh, they definitely responded and are going to the conference finals. To play a very, very game, Cleveland Cavaliers team is playing spirited basketball. And uh, after what they've done in the first two sweeps, a third sweep could be on the way if Toronto is not careful. That's just the reality of the situation. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely continue to uh, check in on that. And as always, take your phone calls. 516-900-2278. We're also going to talk about the uh, the fight. Or I don't know if we call it a fight. More like a, a nice, strong right hand punch that uh, Batista took this is uh, Jose Batista of the Toronto Blue Jays got into a bit of a fight with the Texas Rangers um, infielder and and Odor is the guy that that punched him and I'm telling you this had to be one of the biggest I've never seen a punch this big in a Major League Baseball game this is me personally and man did he take it so uh, definitely uh, an awkward situation for him and we're gonna definitely look at that. We're gonna look at the, um, you know, how was it handled and is there something that maybe he went too far? These are, these are always the questions when it comes to uh, these bouts. But uh, the internet went crazy with it. I'm talking about Wikipedia pages were switched, were changed. I'm gonna go through that. That was the funny part about it. But uh, I think uh, Batista's reaction at the end, you know, he felt like it wasn't a big deal. I'm going to let you guys hear that a little bit later. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's all these little things that just draws more and more memes by the to- by the day. Uh, and that's thats the age we're in right now. But um, like I said, we're going to step aside and uh, we're going to take a break. And also, just a remind everybody, for all you uh, music fans out there, Janet Jackson celebrates her 50th birthday today. You know, she also announced that she's pregnant. So, uh, Janet Jackson's 50 today. So, it's only right we uh, start off the show with uh, Janet Jackson songs. How about that? A couple of those we'll play today. And um, here's one of her classic songs. What we're going to do is uh, step aside. Once again, this is Sports Social Ed Easton. Plenty of NBA talk when we come back. My love is
1: blind. Can't you see my desire? That's the way love goes.
0: Cast FM. Now, remember, I said that we're gonna have these live press conferences. Well, the new, the Brooklyn Nets seem to be up, and they have their new coach Kenny Atkinson at the podium right now, and we're gonna just chime in right yet. now. This yeah. is via NBA.com and the Yes Network. I, I was,
2: um, you know, very impressed with uh, their presentation, their presence, um, their understanding of what what Sean and 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 his group is trying to build here. So. Um, I can't tell you the exact time line of all that. It's a little blurry, because we were in the playoffs with the Hawks, but um, I would say for an interview process, it couldn't have been more you know, pleasant and, and um, revealing. And Sean, for you, what differentiated Kenny that made you know that he was the guy you wanted to be the head coach of your team?
3: Well, I think I mentioned it a little bit before, it was, it was obviously we've talked about his passion for the job, but it was, Person he is, the high character and the values that he he has, and I, I was the first time I met Kenny. I think it was about five years ago uh, in San Antonio, where the, the Atlanta Hawks sent a contingent uh, over to San Antonio, and they got some work in uh, during the summer. And I saw Kenny work firsthand, and that's when you look look at the relationships that he had formed with the guys on his team, and was forming with spur players. How he was able to get those guys to develop and do the things. Um, that he had asked um, was was pretty remarkable to me. Um, I mean, it was pretty clear cut, you know, and I've so said before it was uh, it's not often you get your your number one guy. So I think we're happy to be working together, and I'm, I'm obviously happy to, to to
4: that Kenny's that guy. Daryl Joiner, WPX 11, congratulations. Uh, this question is for both of you. Uh, we see the connection with the San Antonio Spurs with Budenhauser and Sean, and now Jacques Vaughn. Is it safe to assume that that is a model that you may want to pattern uh, the Nets after considering how much success that that organization has had over the past 15 years or so?
2: Uh, can I answer first? Definitely. Um, um, but it's going to be different, and, and I think with the Hawks, we took a lot, Do we, you know, Mike Budenholzer learned from the Spurs, and we, it was a di- different market different situation and so we we changed a fair amount of things i think coach budenholzer would say that but we'd have had a good model and i think it's similar here i i'm i have the kind of luck of experience you know kind of knowing sean and observing the spurs and then um you know being with the hawks for four years where we did things a little differently so i think it's gonna be a combination of, of of both of them and Quite honestly, from my personal experience with the Rockets, Knicks, I have other influences. So, tough part is going to be figuring all that out, how we how we put that together. But I'm confident we can do it.
3: No, I I totally agree with what Kenny said. I mean, we're lucky to have had great mentors in our lives. Um, Obviously, we'll look back and at the at the Spurs and uh, as as one of them, Kenny will look at Atlanta and the rest of his. Uh, mentors that he's looked at and he's touched on upon around the league but again this isn't San Antonio this isn't Atlanta this is Brooklyn and and we'll uh, do our best to make it our own and uh, as I said plenty of times you can take a lot of the values and so forth that you know we've both uh, grown up and learned from in our various uh, different lives before here and me specifically San Antonio I can take those and put them into any workplace environment and I know that there'll be a certain level of success just because of the way things were handled
2: Kenny, Dario Melendez, back, New York 1. Uh, congratulations, by the way. And you mentioned before you had a vision for the Brooklyn Nets are going to be, and Sean also mentioned this isn't San Antonio, this isn't the Knicks. What is that vision for this Nets team? Build um, build patiently, um, intelligently. Um, and, and from my standpoint, you know, what i the message that these guys are going to be hearing is that we're going to put a competitive group um first and foremost on the floor um you say well competitive everybody everybody's competitive in the n b a and but to be able to do it eighty two games night after night, minute after minute play by play you know that's that's a heck of a task a heck of a challenge for even for n b a players so that's that's going to be First and foremost, a, a group that, when the Brooklyn fans, after they watch a game, they're looking at it, man, that's a, that's a competitive group. That group competes. So that's first. I think the second um, value is a team that shares the ball and plays together. I mean, b- both offensively and defensively, like playing as a team, um, we're going to have to do this as a group. Um, and I would say thirdly, a, you know, a group that has high character that's going to be, you know, great with the fans, that you're going to have an experience with that young. And, and Sean Kilpatrick, like, man, these, these are good guys. They're high-character guys. You know, they play with great spirit and, and, you know, great integrity. So those, to me, those are the, without getting too basketball specific, those are kind of big-picture um, ideas. Hey, Kenny, Pat O'Keefe, News 12, Brooklyn.
0: All right, so uh, as you that, was, to, that was you the, know, the uh, step still live career. right now, the uh, press conference with the I mean, Brooklyn Nets. They're uh, introducing Kenny Atkinson into the fold as a new head coach and also going on right now, speaking in progress, we have uh, Larry Bird introducing Nate McMillan as the new head coach for the Indiana Pacers. We're going to go into live with that, and that is also streaming on NBA.com via the Pacers website
5: sort of shape this team moving forward with Miles and Jan being a free agent. How do you view that combination? Do you view Miles as a four who can play with a guy like Jan? Do you want to keep Jan back as Miles a five? How do you sort of want to build the dynamic of the roster starting with that front court?
6: Well,
7: you know, when uh, Larry talked to me about the position and, uh, you know, I had a little, little time to think about it. I just get excited. You know, I've, I've been excited uh, to be a part of this uh, franchise, but now, you know, being in the position as a uh, head coach, I'm looking at Miles, and I see a very similar team to the team I had in Portland. And to me, Miles is very similar, and I've said it to uh, Larry and, and uh, Kevin, to Lamarcus Ardridge. You know, they both come from the same university. Uh, That kid's work habit is amazing. Um, You know, he puts in his time. Uh, I think he will one day be an all-star in this league. And, uh, you know, I just get excited with his growth. I thought both uh, he and Paul uh, during the playoffs went to another level. And uh, that kid continued to improve i think he's a five i feel as though his best position is a five but he showed his ability to work and try to play the four uh so you you have uh that ability if you want to go big uh, similar to what san antonio was doing with uh, lamarcus and and tim uh, you 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 can do that uh, and he worked hard to to play that four position but i think his strength will be uh, at the five position. Defensively, he may strive to improve throughout the year. Uh, And offensively, I think it'd be a nightmare for five to defend his ability to move out to the perimeter to shoot the ball.
1: Nate, why? I
5: I, I agree with him. I think Miles. uh... I think he played both positions, but uh, we, long-term I think we view him as a center. Obviously, he's got to get stronger, like most players do when they come in the league, but uh, the talent's off the charts, and uh, what we got to try to do, or Nate tries to do, is get the most out of him every night. And That's the only way you can improve these guys, is to work them, uh, lead them, uh, teach them, and uh, if you got the ability and the talent, it don't take as long as some other guys. So he's got it. He's got the work ethic. Um, He's got an opportunity to, to make great strides through the summer and be ready for next year. But I wouldn't be afraid to put him in there to power forward either because uh, he's proven that he can play both positions. I think now it's just him getting stronger.
1: two thoughts here. Why didn't this spread unit work early in the season, and do you expect to go back to that as soon as you start the 2015-2016 season?
7: Well, it's, it's not uh... – it worked. I mean, it worked at times. And, it, uh, you know, the thing was the, the, the bigger unit uh, was just more effective. Uh, and, you know, we're in the business of we're not we're not developing here. You know, uh, we want to win games. Unlike, you know, my team in Portland, we were developing there and you could stick with something if uh, if you had the time to do so. Uh, the, the, we had injuries. I think what happened with Miles, uh, CJ was starting, and uh, ended up having an injury, and we had to change how we we played. Uh, we, I think we slid Lavoy into that lineup, and that lineup, you know, started working for us. And uh, we went back to CJ, and I think again, another injury came into play, and we uh, ended up having to go back. To that big lineup, so it was ba- It was just adapting to the season, as opposed to, you know, d- did it work or not work? Uh, we had some success with that lineup. It was just a big lineup it was, we thought was better.
0: Okay, well, again, so we, we heard uh, at, uh, we heard a lot of Nate McMillan, uh, McMillan and uh, what he's about. Yes, his plans, obviously, taking over as head coach for the Indiana Pacers. I uh, apologize for any of the uh, vocals being kind of low. That's just the feed that they're giving us at the moment. But uh, it's you could definitely clearly hear about his plans that he has for Miles Turner moving forward. Uh, I do want to go right back to Brooklyn and uh, hear a little bit more of what Kenny Atkinson has to say in regards to him taking over the Nets.
2: So um, it's definitely where we are, I think as an organization, very aware of that.
4: Okay, well, we appreciate all your questions. Uh, we're going to clear the stage, except for Coach Atkinson and Sean, and we'll have some photo opportunities. And uh, we appreciate you being here for this special day, Kenny Atkinson, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets.
0: And just as we switch over, Kenny Atkinson has finished talking. So he is the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. The uh, Nets are obviously trying to rebound off of a uh, subpar year. They have a lot of changes they need to make in the – just in their front office and uh, and you know obviously they made the deals then to bring in a, a new GM as well as a new head coach. So we're going to try one more time with the Indiana, Indiana Pacers to see what we can get out of them.
5: You said that you didn't realize he wanted to be a coach again until Sacramento happened. Is is it possible? Is there any way to know? Were you going to go down to him and ask him about the job or did that kind of trigger in your head? Wait a minute, maybe Nate. Well I've always like I said I always admired Nate but you know sometimes guys just feel comfortable in certain roles. Uh, I never sit down with Nate and and ask him what his future holds, and I never really talked to him about a lot of things uh, other than basketball. But uh, to me, just going back and, and watch what he did in Portland and, and, and getting started in Seattle and, and the way he carries himself, and like he said, he's old school. I sort of like a, uh, like that. Um, it's not like you got to get up in player's faces anymore, yell and scream, but you do have to have control and you do have to have their attention, and, and I'm sure Nate will have that. Uh, but uh, I'm glad that uh, uh, he wanted to be a head coach. And uh, to me, it was pretty simple. Um, uh, talked to him, uh, talked to Kevin, like I said, a number of times. And the choice for me was very easy. Nate, Larry. Um, one more thing, sorry, Mark. Um, what have your conversations mm-hmm. with Paul George been like since you agreed to become mm-hmm. coach? I haven't talked to any of our players. Um,
7: you know, th- th- this happens so fast that uh, I haven't spoke to uh, any players, um, and uh, but I definitely communicate with, uh, with our
5: guys uh,
7: this week.
4: Larry, uh, how do you feel
6: about the point guard position? Do you feel like you need an upgrade there?
5: Well, we, we, you know, we've talked about this for a number of years and uh, what we have here, we have a budget and we stay within our budget, and if we get an opportunity to get a point guard, we probably will look at it, uh, but uh, to run around and say, well, you should get this guy or get that guy, um, you know, it's, it's a little harder than you think it is, uh, but obviously, I would like to have a, a real point guard. I felt comfortable when Ty Lawson was here making plays and, and getting up down the court, uh, but, you know, the summer um, is going to be full of surprises, I think, because uh, the new cap and players moving around I think there'll be a lot of trading I think guys will uh, be moving teams uh, so it's all new for all of us in this business but uh, to sit here and tell you uh, I'm gonna get a point guard I really don't know yet uh, there's some out there I really like uh, but uh, with Monte and and George Hill I uh, Joe Young uh, I think Joe's going to improve this summer and and, um, and help us out but i uh, uh, you know, we have some needs, and we have some players we really like, and, and we hope we can go out there and get them.
0: All right, so that wraps up the press conference for the Indiana Pacers and their introduction of Nate McMillan as their head coach. Hey, uh, somehow I was able to get it done. i got two different uh, press conferences going on at the same time, uh, two different head coaches being introduced. You had in the Brooklyn Nets with Kenny Atkinson, longtime assistant coach. He was recently the assistant coach with the Atlanta Hawks. He takes over as the head man for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. They talk about just making a team that everybody's, you know, is worth watching. That's one of the biggest things with the Nets. Um, you know, a lot of people said that, the, you know, the team was obviously just thrown in there. They uh, had a lot of issues regarding draft picks. And he talked about just patience with the, uh, with the fan base and making sure that the team does continue to grow. Now, On the other hand, you had with the Indiana Pacers and you just heard Larry Bird was very, very open and honest saying that they haven't had a point guard. Um, If you're George Hill, that's got to that has got to sting a little bit. You know, just obviously he's played the point guard position for the last couple of years, but to not really get any type of praise from, uh, you know, their boss, uh, Larry Legend himself. It's got to be tough for him. So that's the uh, situation they're looking at in Indiana. They may be looking at a point guard. He said it's not that easy. And uh, you could definitely see some different changes being made at the point guard position for for their team. And uh, I, you know, I, I you can throw names out there like Rondo. I've heard um, obviously Conley's been thrown out there plenty of times. It's uh, going to be a interesting interesting switch up to see how teams are going to try to look at them. How is it going to be done in regards to you know him being uh, looked at as possibly you know the guy. And that's, the, that's going to be the biggest question. I, I don't know how how he wants to handle it. How does uh, Larry Bird want to look at his point guards? Is Ty Lawson still in the fold after he just actually gave him a huge compliment saying that he was one of the main guys on the team? Uh, we will see. It's going to be an uh, interesting offseason for the Indiana Pacers, and uh, they have a lot of work to do with their backcourt. But um, what we're going to do right now is uh, step aside and uh, take a break. And as always, you can give us a call at 516-900-2278. We're going to be going through the um, Rookie of the Year next. And we'll hear from uh, Carl Anthony Towns and his thoughts. And uh, obviously addressing the media after receiving his award. So we'll we'll check that out after the break. And we'll play some more Janet because it's her 50th birthday. Why not, right? Let's honor the legends while they are here. So, uh, once again, you listen to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. We will be right back. Sports Social here on Soundcast FM. And uh once again, as always, taking your calls, 516-900-2278. And it's funny because uh, you know, you look at all the, the different moves that are happening, not just not just today, but you know, this week. And um obviously one of the biggest stories that you do have to discuss are the awards and you know, we talked about last week happening with the official announcement of Steph Curry being the M V P and that was unanimous decision. And you look at a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, today gets the the you know, the all important rookie of the year award, let's be honest. Um, would be a unanimous winner there. And it was this was a good rookie class. Don't don't get me don't get us twisted here. You got Porzingis, who uh, had a huge splash with the Knicks. Uh definitely in the first half of the season. They one point it was neck and neck with Towns, but uh Towns was just consistent throughout the entire year. Very talented guy. And um, just a well-deserved, well-deserved honor for the guy and uh, for what he's done, a uh, New Jersey product. So uh, definitely a local product here for everybody in the New York City area. He uh, definitely walks away with it. And uh, you got to look at a guy like... A guy like uh, Tom Thibodeau, who is the new head coach and new VP of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So... He was on hand for for today's festivities and uh, this is what he had to say to open everything up.
8: And obviously I would also like to congratulate Carl on receiving the award. I think when you come into the league as the number one pick, there's big expectations that go along with that and uh, he exceeded all those expectations. Uh, when you look back at what he did, he had a very dominating rookie of the year. And it was one of the best of all time for a player of his age. Uh, Pretty remarkable. And uh, his accomplishments on the court were obviously terrific and recognized by the league. But the more you're around him and the more people you talk to, you're impressed by the way he carries himself off the floor also. And as an organization, we're extremely proud of that. I think when you look at him and you dig deeper, which I've started to do, He embodies all the characteristics that you look for in a winning player, very talented, smart, driven, and mentally tough. And along with that, he's very unselfish. When you study his career, you see he's won big at every level, high school, college, and hopefully that will be coming here with the pros. Uh, We're excited about what he's done. And as was just mentioned, the fact about Andrew – Last year, Andrew became the first uh, in our franchise history rookie of the years. And it's the first time in over 40 years that it's been done uh, back to back. And I think together, Carl along with Andrew, it gives us uh, a great core to build around. We think it's the best young core in the league. And uh, we're looking forward to the challenges ahead. So in closing, I want to congratulate Carl and we're looking forward to the future here together.
0: All right, so that was uh, Tom Thibodeau, once again, the new head coach and VP of the Minnesota Timberwolves, talking about his brand-new player and obviously addressing the fact that Carl, that Carl Anthony Towns winning it this year after Andrew Wiggins just won it last year and just how great of a future it looks like this, this Timberwolves franchise does have with these two great young players. Now, Carl Anthony Towns obviously had a chance to address the media himself earlier and here's how the uh, presentation went. And this was about, i say an hour before we actually went on air. so let's take a listen.
2: Among others, he joins the likes of Damian Lillard and Blake Griffin, along with Hall of Famers David Robinson and Ralph Sampson as unanimous winners of this award. Carl also was one of only six players, not rookies, but players, to start all 82 games this season. Now let's hear from the 2015-16 Kia NBA Rookie of the Year, Carl Anthony Towns.
9: Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Uh, this is a special moment for me and my family here today. Uh, I wanted to thank Kia so much for giving me the honor and the privilege to uh, represent the Rookie of the Year and uh, the awards this year. Uh, just want to thank everyone. There's so much people to thank, you know, this is not a award that is done by one person, but by a team and by an organization. So uh, I want to thank the Timberwolves organization. I want to thank Flip Saunders. Oh, I know is here probably eating a Piece of sheet cake and uh, enjoying this moment. Uh, I want to thank everybody uh, from Glenn Taylor. I want to thank everybody for having the trust in me and the faith in me to take me with the organization's first number one pick ever. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy that every single day that I get to wake up and be in Minnesota and be a Timberwolf. So I want to thank the organization so much. Uh, I have a list of everyone because this is, again, not something you win by yourself. This is a team award. This is something done by everyone uh, coming together. And I want to thank Ricky Rubio, Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, Gorgie Dang, who is like my brother down low, Tyus Jones, Shabazz Muhammad, Tayshaun Prince, uh, Belly, (laughs) Uh, Lord KG, we all know him, Uh, Damon Rudez, Adrian Payne, Nikolai Pekovic, Greg Smith, Andre Miller, Kevin Martin, I want to also thank so much the coaching staff for putting me in positions to succeed and uh, helping me through the process of everything throughout this rookie year and helping me become the best player I could be every single day and challenging me every single day from Coach Sid Lowe, Ryan Saunders, David Adelman, Brian Gates, Coach Ed, uh, <laughs> money team, Vince LaGarza and Gary Trassi, uh Sam, Wes, uh, of course, our head coach, Sam Mitchell. I want to thank him also. uh, Having the faith in me to uh, put me in positions to uh, succeed and do well, Uh, you know. First of all, you know, I think when you're a rookie, I think the biggest thing is the pressure. You know, there's a lot of pressure. I had additional pressure from being the number one pick, and I'm just so blessed, and I can't say enough. I thank the man upstairs every single day that I have such a great family, a great support system, that every single day when I need uh, that comfort or I need to. uh, feel that presence of love and, and compassion and just kindness and everything that comes with being the person and uh, a better human being more than just a basketball player but a better human being. I always know I could call my mother, my sister, my father for every single thing I need and uh, you know, that's uh, that's priceless, that's just absolutely priceless. I have two beautiful and loving parents, I have such a beautiful sister. Uh, I can remember all the times when we were growing up and we were playing outside the house and. Um, it was, <laughs> I mean, you, she always used to beat me and uh, I don't think that happens anymore now but um, you know just being out there and taking the time out her day uh, just to spend time with me and just play basketball with her little brother uh, I hope I made you proud and I hope that uh, this award you could look at every day as a reminder of all the work that we put in my father who's taken countless hours out of his life just to uh, sit there and just uh, talk to his son, you know, just be with him, be that presence that I needed every single day to grow to be the man I want to be today. And, uh, I can honestly say that when I look in my father's eyes, I know he's proud of me and I'm just so thankful for that because every man needs his father and I'm blessed to have mine for the last 20 years of my life and hopefully for the, hopefully for the rest of my time. And, uh, <laughs> lastly, the, the boss of the house, the woman of the house and, uh, backbone of our family is my mother and, uh, you know, I can't thank her enough for making my life so so happy, so fun. Uh, I think my personality is not because I was born this way but because I was raised this way. I was raised with a lot of fun, a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, a lot of passion Um, and that's how my family is. That's an insight to my family where we live with such passion, such joy, such happiness and every single day, no matter what happens in basketball, no matter what happens in my life, as long as I have them on my side, everything is great. And I want to thank my family so much for taking the time to, uh, you know, all those things that I missed growing up and all the events that I've missed and uh, weddings, birthday parties, you know, engagements, everything. I, I want to thank you guys so much for supporting me and allowing me to be the person and the man that I want to be today. And I just can't thank you enough. Um, I know we just talked about Flip earlier, and I think when I won, the, when I got the news that I won this award, I when I was getting a key, I think the biggest thing I could only think about was Debbie and Flip, and they're like my family. They're like a second family to me. I love seeing them every single day. It brings a smile to my face, um, and I just knew right away that I wanted to do something special for Flip. And, I think that was the best way I could think of doing something so special for such a special man. And I'm so happy that Kia gave me the opportunity, so thank you so much, Scott, for giving me the opportunity to donate the car to such a great cause and such a great um, person in his name and his honor. It's a privilege and an honor to be able to do that, and I thank Kia so much for that. Um, you know, I wanna, you know, there's so much people to thank. I want to thank uh, also our training staff. We have a great training staff from Arnie to David Crew to Koichi to uh, Mark to Greg. I want to thank everyone for keeping me healthy and allowing me to play at a high level all the time, every single day. And, you know, it, it just, this is so much deeper than basketball. This is something that my family can look back and, you know, smile. You know, this is a landmark in my career, but it's not the, it's not the last one. Uh, I plan to uh, continue to grow as a player, continue to improve, and continue to uh, bring Minnesota to the place it should be as a playoff contender, as a championship contender. So I can't wait to continue this journey here in Minnesota, and I can't wait to continue to bring Minneapolis to the place it deserves. So I want to thank Kia again. I want to thank the organization. I want to thank my family. I want to thank the fans for coming out today. It's such a special moment. Thank you so much, everyone, and God bless.
0: All right, so that was Carl Anthony Towns giving his address to the media after winning the Rookie of the Year. As you you can sit, you can hear the guy is extremely humble about the award and um, picking up the win, and uh, it's good to hear that. It's good to hear that. It's rare that you get people once again, you know, not being humble about their achievements and. I think that it's a very classy way for a guy who I, I believe is only 20 years old. It's it's a very interesting. So definitely a lot of um, a, a lot of props to the guy for for having a great year. And he also spoke with uh, he answered some questions from fans afterwards. So uh, we're going to take a listen into that. And this is once again Carl Anthony Towns, the 2016 NBA Kia MVP. So we're going to take a listen to him. Talking, uh, answering some questions from some
9: fans. We have uh, two handheld microphones. If you have a
2: question, ask that you raise your hand, uh, clearly state your name and affiliation, and either Kirsten or Kara will be around to hand you a microphone.
5: Congratulations, Carl. Jim Suhan, Minneapolis Star Tribune. Uh, so many NBA stars come back from each summer having developed a new skill or a new move. Do you have something you're working on this summer? Uh, yeah,
9: I mean, uh, I woke up early today before everything happened today, and uh, I was up very early, about 6.15 in the morning, working out, you know, getting ready for next season already. You know, you got to, it starts now, you know. So working out, just I have a lot of new things that I'm adding to my game, um, some things I'm sharpening up more, and um, just having a great time today. So I think you're going to see some new moves next year and uh, new tools I'm going to utilize. Congratulations uh, Carl uh, back here I'm just curious you didn't spend uh, you know much time there but uh, your year at college basketball at Kentucky how did that prepare you uh, for what you were able to achieve this season I mean it was tremendously vital Uh, coach Calipari runs his program the best in the country and it runs like a professional team so for us being able to be there for such a such a great year also where all the pressure was on us it felt uh, you know it felt like one of those years when it was just one of those, again, special years at Kentucky. So it prepared me very well for the pressure that was to come with being an NBA player. It prepared me for personal life as being an NBA player, but also prepared me uh, as a job, you know, for being able to work hard or every day trying to learn something new. It gave me so much more tools other than just basketball that comes with being an NBA player. And That's just a testament to the program that Coach Calipari and coaching staff at University of Kentucky run. Uh, Marcus Fuller, Pioneer Press. Can, Carl, can you talk about just uh, being drafted last year, obviously, uh, back-to-back number one picks, and also uh, this year's draft and the opportunity for this organization to add another um, important piece uh, from the lottery for, for the future? I mean, this is, uh, this is a great time for Minnesota, not just for the draft, but just because of the direction that we're going. This is a great direction. We're going upward, and uh, you know we're a team on the rise. And I think I see special things for us. Uh, not years from now, but next year, um, we're going to do a great job. And the draft is just a step. It's a step for our offseason to uh, grow as a team that we want to be and be the team that we envision ourselves being.
2: Carl, what do you think reasonable expectations are for next season?
9: Everything's reasonable. Nothing's off the table. (laughs) Um, This is something that... We're going in with a lot of confidence. We're going on with a great game plan. You know, uh, We made some great moves, and um, you know, the team is on the right right path. So we're doing a great job every single day, every single minute, second, of improving our team to be the team that we want to be. And um, I see nothing but uh, aspirations to be in the playoffs next year and uh, trying to make a run.
3: Uh, Carl, Jerry Zagoda from the Star Tribune here in
10: Minneapolis. You mentioned all the things you missed to get to this point all the work uh, it took to get here what images pop into your mind today of those times whether it was in your backyard <laughs> uh, in a gym of, of what it took to get here
9: i mean i it's just as simple i mean just as recently i, I missed my uncle and my aunt's wedding uh, so just things like that just dedicating every single moment i have to this craft of basketball um it's just, it's just this it's, is you have to do it if you want to be the best that you could possibly be, and I gladly do it every single day. And like I said, I have such a great family, uh, not, even, not even my immediate family from my mom and dad and my sister, but everyone in my family is very supportive of me and uh, understands that um, the aspirations and goals I have for myself and where I see uh, us being as a Minnesota Timberwolves. And you know, that's just one simple example of just recently how, how much time and events I've missed in my life, but if I had to do it all over again, I would do the same exact thing. Uh, Carl, with the draft uh, next month, what advice would you give to the next generation of one and done players about making that transition to the NBA successful? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just be comfortable. Be yourself. Don't try to be anyone else. You know, play your game and uh, enjoy the process. You know, you gotta take time sometimes to just breathe. Just breathe and, and realize, uh, you know what you have to work on what you have to accomplish and what do you, where do you see yourself you know goals are always meant to be accomplished but you have to take the steps to get there so just don't rush don't rush the process let the process come to you uh, everything works out great for the people who are patient and patience is key for everything uh,
5: carl charlie
10: walters st paul pioneer press congratulations of thank course you, thank you uh you're going to represent the
9: timberwolves tomorrow in new york i believe you feeling lucky? <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know how much lucky, more much more lucky I could get. I'm holding a, a great award from a great organ, a great company in Kia. I just gave a car to one of the most special people in my life, and Debbie Saunders and the Saunders family. And uh, I mean, I, everything, you know, everything is just great. So I can't be more lucky than that. So hopefully, it translates into tomorrow as well. Take two more questions.
5: Jim? Jim Suhan, so started with you. How much have you talked to Tom, and how much has he already coached you up?
9: A lot. <laughs> um, we've had uh, good conversations, and uh, the vision of this team is great. You know, we're going to, like I said, I think that we, he sees the same goals and aspirations and vision that we see for each other and his organization. So, like I said, we're going upward, and we're making a lot of progress every single day of, building towards being the team that we want to be
6: carl congratulations over here to your right uh, larry fitzgerald national programming network minnesota spokesman recorder talk about the the hurdle and the, the challenge of, of coming in the pressure you talked about being number one and then to lose the guy that drafted your number one your coach
9: and to get through it i mean it was very hard i mean it's, it's absolutely very hard you know so For me, I played this game with a lot of love and passion, so to lose someone I love tremendously in Flip was uh, very hard, I took it very hard, Uh, but it's one of those things, you know, his vision for us was set in stone and he knew exactly how he wanted us to play every single day and from then on it was about living his vision out every single day and I worked tremendously hard every single day, every single second uh, to live his vision out and uh, accomplish what he had for us. Uh, for me, I think the hurdles and the trials and tribulations that come with being the number one pick and everything uh, were uh, mellowed due to the fact that I went to the University of Kentucky. It was just uh, so much pressure being the team, uh, the pursuit of perfection and everything that went with it uh, just didn't have the same comparison to playing every single day in the NBA. So I think I got to thank the University of Kentucky every single day for that. For Making me feel at ease every single day, just knowing that whatever pressure came to me, I was easily able to uh deal with due to the fact I was there.
0: All right, so that was Carl Anthony Towns talking, answering questions regarding his uh win. And uh you know, he once again he says it in a very humble way, he brings up in different things in terms of what his family meant to so him missing different events because of his passion and how he wanted to you know, hopefully, get this this Timberwolves team on the on the right track. So, definitely hearing a lot of good things from Carl Anthony Towns, the 2016 Kia NBA NBA Rookie of the Year. I was about to say MVP, but Rookie of the Year. And uh, it's it's gonna be interesting because he's gonna be the guy sitting at the uh, at the podium as the ping pong balls are you know for the lottery are announced. Where will they will they go for him? We don't know. Will there be another number one pick? I, I, you know, I said earlier Ben Simmons would be interesting to have him as the next number one pick, and then you got Wiggins, you got Towns, you got Simmons, you got a lot of fun in Minnesota, and uh, I think that's what a lot of people are very curious to see how that's all going to go down. But uh, once again, congratulations, Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, we'll hopefully we'll see what happens in tomorrow's lottery. But how about we talk about the teams that are not in the lottery? We're talking about the final four teams in the NBA playoffs. One of those teams had to go Game Seven against the Miami Heat in order to get there. And we obviously talk about the Toronto Raptors. We're going to recap the uh, ending moments of that game, and uh, we look forward to their matchup against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, we're definitely going to just see what they could, what they need to do because let's be honest, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers are heavy favorites in this matchup. As they should be, by the way they played in the first two rounds. It should be a, a pretty interesting uh, situation for them. And as always, we'll uh, take your calls, 516-900-2278. Going to get uh, into a little bit more Janet. Once again, it's her 50th birthday. So, we'll play some more Janet. We'll be right back. Sports Social, here on Soundcast FM. Edit Four, 3,
1: two,
8: one.
0: Jan's 50th birthday, that's why we played all these classic Janet Jackson songs right now. But uh, speaking of uh, classics, we may have a classic coming aboard in terms of these Conference Finals games. One of the Conference Finals games, obviously, we didn't know who was going to play who in terms of the Cleveland Cavaliers. They were already waiting in the wings for over a week now to see who they would be facing in the Eastern Conference Finals. That decision was made last night as the uh, Toronto Raptors handled business and for everybody that did not catch the game, definitely want to hear some of the uh, the sounds from that game. So this is the second half action of the Miami Heat and Toronto Raptors from yesterday.
10: sit out to Patterson. Now DeRozan. DeRozan a corner three. That's good. Back to back threes. And the largest lead of the game. A season for a player or coach. Well, in this series, they've had three overtime games. So obviously, every point is important as Joe Johnson. Into the game, Lowry goes to Joe Johnson. Nice feed to Biombo and the foul. Beautiful setup from Lowry, and Biombo with a chance for a three-point play. Nine minutes gone by here in the third. Johnson drives on Carroll, swatted by Biombo. Ring. Richardson picks him up. Ducks up and under, banks it in, and a foul. Richardson's a little frustrated. He thought the and pushed off earlier. Instead, it's a chance for a shot won't go. Biombo altering that one. Lowry back to Biombo. Snares another. Lowry to the basket Roster right now for Miami. Where's this unit going to get scoring Defense. punch from? Winslow answers that at least Roberts, baseline jumper a couple of He's on DeRozan Rosen has a lot of points, but he's 9 for 25 Lowry Pucks it in! Kyle Lowry from downtown 14-point Raptors lead Thompson just shoves way, way three-pointer. That's good. Lowry steps back, but on him. Lowry, tough turnaround shot, has got it. not look like the pressure of a game seven getting to him at all. Gets the pass and the finish. Wow. Lowry looking for an opening. Corner three, Ross. Richardson, McRoberts. Shot clock winding down. McRoberts again using the right hand. Lowry steps back. Drives again. The floaters. And Biombo and McRoberts get connected. McRoberts a little frustrated. He thought he was fouled as Biombo gets his 12th rebound. Lowry to Biombo. And a hard foul for McRoberts. That'll be a flagrant two, Mike. McRoberts thought Biombo grabbed him around the neck on the previous offensive rebound. We'll have a guy thrown out if it is flagrant two.
2: The one redeeming thing for McRoberts to stay in the game is he didn't hit him above the shoulders. Right, it's
10: going to be flagrant one or so flagrant one. So two shots and then possession with 7.55 remaining in a 15-point lead. Still a very big call in favor of Charlotte. Lowry, pull up two-pointer again. Lowry for three. Biombo foul and one. A celebration is underway here at the Air Canada Center. Dwayne Wade wants to come back, but I don't think he's going to give him a bargain this time either. They're chanting, we want Cleveland as Nogara throws it down. Toronto today advancing to the franchise's first ever Eastern Conference final. It's official now it's the greatest season in Raptors history. celebration. As the two teams exchange handshakes and congratulations. All five starters and double figures led by Lowry. as Wade and Lowry exchange pleasantries. The season is over to, for Dwayne Wade and the Heat. And a quick turnaround for Kyle Lowry.
0: And that was the Toronto Raptors obviously picking up the win against the Miami Heat last night or yesterday afternoon, I should say. Very interesting, you know, process that they had to go through for that game. I mean, I'm look, I, I'm a big Dwayne Wade fan. I just like the fact that he was able to show off and show that he still has a lot left. It was, however, a little sad that he didn't have his best game in the last one. I mean, of all games to have not have your best game, it was Game Seven. So. I'm not going to say it was a difference because DeRozan, you know, even though he put up like 40 shots, had a, he had a pretty decent game. Uh, Kyle Lowry was Lowry. The, the MVP candidate that we thought in the first half of the year showed up, and uh, that was the Kyle Lowry that has to be there in that series. And he really has to be there when they go up against Cleveland. But uh, this is what they had to say after the fact. And when I say they, I'm talking about the uh, the Raptors after finally getting that win and going on to the conference finals.
4: The, the effort the intensity the focus um, was was who we were personally I, again I you know I'm not a sentimental person but again for this program from where we started to where we are now and it's very important I think we've done you know everything that uh, we, we set out to do and again Zeck we're not done yet um, my hat is off to the Miami Heat a class organization class coaching staff class team um, you know, Coach Riley is is one of the class classiest presidents GM in the league, plus he's a Kentucky guy, so. Uh, but again, my hat is off to them as a hard-fought series, and uh, you know they it was tit for tat, and it was, it was one of the best series I thought in the NBA this year.
2: Kyle's had plenty of big games for this team, and had plenty of big fourth-quarter performances and things like that. But with the magnitude of this game, have you seen a bigger performance from him?
4: No, I thought, uh, you know, the moment and uh, what it means, James, I think tonight was huge uh, for him, for both he and DeMar. I thought they stepped up at the right time, at the right game, at the right place. And not only the offensive, I thought Kyle's defense was was extraordinary. I thought he was into the basketball, some of his best pick-and-roll defense of hounding the ball, being into the ball, dictating direction uh, was huge. And uh, both both men stepped up to the moment.
11: We ain't satisfied. You know that's just our mentality. You know, uh, you know we we've, we've kept an internal, kept everything internal. You know, we our goal is to play as long as possible, and uh, you know everyone's excited. But you know, yes, we're excited, but we we want to continue to get you know four more wins and get to the finals. Um, you know, we know we got a tough task at hand, but you know it's still basketball. And They got to lace them up, and we got to lace them up and, and go at it. You play this game once you get in the postseason. You know, it's about learning. You know, nothing's going to be easy. Everybody fighting for, for one goal.
0: And it's, it gets tougher every single game. Just about battling. You know, nothing's going to be pretty.
4: Nothing's going to go uh, the way you want it to go. You just got to go out there and, and, and leave, leave everything you got and, and see what the end result is.
0: All right. So that's the Toronto Raptors obviously having their thoughts on it. DeMar DeRozan and uh, Kyle Lowry obviously had their opinions on what they have to do. And uh, just obviously it's huge as uh, Dwayne Casey said earlier, for the program and uh, for the franchise of the Toronto Raptors to finally make it over that hump and, and prove that they're a legit contender. I mean, they've always been a good regular season team, it seems like, for the last couple of years. But when it came to the playoffs, they've just they just disappeared. It's going to be interesting to see how they, uh, how they make the adjustment, what do they have to do these are going to be the big questions that are going to be faced by them. So, you know, obviously the guy waiting in the wings is going to be LeBron James. Having to face that Cavaliers team and how they're set up and LeBron definitely wanting another shot at Steph Curry or whoever does come out the Western Conference Finals is a huge deal. So uh, how they match up with him and how they deal with the king himself, Will have to be a, uh, a whole other story, but this is just an idea of what he was thinking as he spoke to the media. And, and when I say he, I mean LeBron James spoke to the media this um, after finding out he's playing the Raptors. This is what he had to say in regards to the approaching matchup.
6: Watch uh, enough. What'd you see from Toronto? Your initial thought? Uh well, we about to get our work in now that we know who we're playing, so. We're going to start diving in on, on personnel, uh, diving in on what they do best. Um, you know, But, you know, it's the, they were chasing us all year, you know, for the number one seed. And, uh, you know, we look forward to the matchup just as well as we look forward to Detroit and also uh, Atlanta. What, what
3: are some of Toronto's
2: strengths?
6: Uh, they got a lot of strengths. we, we
2: talk about here? How much did you start to go do down that path this week of maybe
10: having to go back to Miami
6: to play Um, I didn't really indulge into it too much. Uh, I was just waiting around, just like the, you know the rest of the guys, just uh, getting our work in, and uh, whoever was going to advance, we'd be ready to play against. Uh, so I didn't really get involved in it too much. working, and uh, we look forward to Tuesday night.
12: What's nine
0: days off you for your body? How much does that help physically?
6: Uh, I mean, I've always said anytime you get, some, get an opportunity to get some rest throughout the course of our season, it's always beneficial for anybody. doesn't matter if you're a 31-year-old guy who's uh, played a lot of basketball, or you know, you're know, you a 19-year-old kid who just came into the league. It doesn't matter. You get nine days in the postseason. You know, uh, it's beneficial.
4: Does Knicks and Knacks kind of go away, or are they still... You
10: were talking about um, Toronto. DeRozan and Lowry gave me guys. You were talking about guard-driven offenses. Would you comment on them? You
6: know uh, you know uh, well, they're two all-stars for a reason.
11: Yeah.
6: And uh, It's the reason that they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, because they're two all-stars. And, well, but they had big games today. Well, it's the reason why they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, because they're their two guards. They, they're all-stars for a reason. They wouldn't be in this position without them.
2: How much of a challenge is it to keep them off the free throw
6: line? It's all about uh, just sticking to what you know, what the game plan is. Um, you got to dive in on, on personnel and understanding what they like to do. Uh, the big pump fake guys, and you can't afford to uh, put them on the line because you give you, you jumping in the air, putting them on the line. So, you know, we gotta we gotta be very uh, 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 you know smart about that.
0: We've talked about how regular season records against the team doesn't necessarily correlate to postseason success. But the way you guys lost up in Toronto a couple times, it seemed like
10: they pushed – the results of those games pushed your team in a different direction both times. Did that have any – We're a totally different
6: team in the regular season.
11: Will you talk to Dwayne about what he saw during this series? Possible.
2: When did you stop? When did, when did you- when did your mindset flip? I mean, you're obviously you're locked in now.
6: Uh, 114, 86 at one point. Uh, when I walked in here, that's when I flipped the switch.
9: Is,
2: is there still any feeling that you haven't faced Wayne or Miami in your career in the playoffs? No.
0: All right, so that's LeBron James. Very short with the media. Uh, you know, obviously LeBron is LeBron. He does whatever he wants. It, it seems like so. He uh, was very short with the media in regards to how he feels about just obviously the matchup against the against the Raptors and, and just you know his his overall opinion on uh, facing Dwayne Wade. That's that's everybody wanted. Let's be honest. Everybody wanted to see Dwayne Wade versus LeBron in the playoffs. That's that's just the reality of the situation. Now, obviously, it didn't happen, but. Um, that's what uh, LeBron was thinking in his mind, so he sounded disappointed because this is right after they were in practice, right after the final score, so definitely, uh, you got some raw emotion there, I guess, from LeBron, you know. As to why he took it out on the media, that's on him, so I, LeBron had something to say in regards to it. But uh, it's, it's always going to be a, uh, a challenge for a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, they have all the pressure on them now because everybody's Kind of giving them the the pass to the NBA final. and it's going to be hard not to uh, pay attention to that stuff. But uh, you know, this is this is why they play the games. You want to make sure your team is up, your team is ready. I do believe they will be ready for this matchup, but uh, it's it's going to be a process for LeBron and company. I mean, look at looking at their numbers and just some of the things that they've done. The three-point line has been huge. I mean, just enormous for this franchise. They relied on that three-point line about as much as any team I think I've ever seen in the playoffs. And if they're making their threes, they're fine. That's That seems to be the common thought. Now, what happens if you got a team like, like Toronto, can they run them off the three-point line? That's something that we just honestly don't know. That's why it's it's still a, a very uh, tough situation for Toronto to try to see if they can match up. You got J.R. Smith, once he's hot, he's very tough to stop out there. Uh, you're going to see a lot of switches in terms of how to deal with Kyrie Irving because he's good. Um, a healthy Kevin Love, how important is that? That could have been a deciding factor of last year's finals. We don't know, but... It's definitely a it's definitely a thought for the for the team to have to just bounce back from this. Now, obviously the other matchup is the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Golden State Warriors. We know the guys are involved. And obviously, once you know, once the uh, the, the dust is settled between San Antonio and Oklahoma City, there are going to be a lot of questions, questions as to whether or not Tim Duncan is done. And I think that's one of the biggest things people are, you know, going to want to know. Duncan, as good as he's been for so long, this was probably his last hurrah. And if that's the case, what do you what do you do? What do you do if you're the uh, San Antonio Spurs? Those are like the questions that you kind of have to think about. But you also had to expect those questions to be to really be had. I mean, that's that's reality, the situation. And uh, this is how it sounded. This was, uh, I, I believe, on Wednesday night, Game Six. Uh, a lot of, you know, obviously the game was on. The game was pretty much in hand at this point. And uh, Tim Duncan was still out on the floor for uh, the final of game six. So uh, let's just take a listen to the uh, commentary in regards to this one.
10: KC can dribble it out. For the fourth time in six years, the Thunder will go to the conference finals. And once again, the class of Greg Popovich on display. He said it before, he wins with grace, he loses with class, the Spurs the same way, always giving credit to the opponent when he's been defeated, and the respect that he carries throughout the NBA, throughout the NBA, past and present is incredible. some NBA royalty right there. What a spectacular turnaround in this series by OKC as Tim Duncan walks off the floor, perhaps for the final time of his illustrious career.
0: Kevin Durant, meanwhile, has another... So Tim Duncan, obviously, the way he ran off the floor and uh it looked to me honestly like he's done but uh this is what he had to say right after game six and uh it's pretty much uh in my opinion a clincher in terms of his career coming to an end did you have to
9: talk to the and letting you get in there in the fourth uh like
12: had a conversation with him. yeah we had a conversation and he asked me if I wanted to play and I told him I always want to play and he said all right go for it so uh that was the end of it and uh I had to stay out there the whole time.
5: How'd you feel tonight? Felt good tonight. Felt good
12: tonight. Felt uh got some shots to go down and uh I missed a couple of easy ones, it was uh all in all we got ourselves in a hole and just couldn't dig out of it. Like you had some last
10: words
12: from West Virginia all just just good luck. He's he's a he's a an amazing player and competitor. Uh, um, I, I, I respect not only him but a, a, a bunch of other guys, and uh, I just I wish them good luck and uh, and uh, I, I I hope they can pull it up. Yeah,
3: that, that second quarter was just brutal. You guys just couldn't get anything to fall. Just
12: one of those nights. Uh, one of those nights at the wrong time. Yeah, just one of those quarters at the wrong time. Uh, uh we always give credit to our opponents, and obviously OKC turned it up there and. Uh, turned uh, um, our execution into just uh, forced bad shots, um, and then we kind of, kind of trickle down from there and kind of uh, snowballed, So uh, put ourselves in a hole, and then um, we actually played uh, somewhat solid for the, the second half, but um, it was too little, too late. Can you speak
5: to the fact that the, the major, nice comeback for two, four-year-old players on the floor.
12: Yeah, how about that? <laughs> So,
6: have you had any time
12: at all to, to think about what your future looks like no just uh i'll I'll get to that after I get out of here and and, and and figure life out
0: so that that was uh Tim duncan obviously talking at the end of the game and uh you know he said he'll get to that we're still waiting a waiting word on what he's gonna do um the assumption is that he is gonna retire and um you know that's that's really what that's really where it's at right now I mean we're thinking that he is gonna retire and uh call it a career after so many great years that he's he's given us in the NBA um, I remember obviously him winning his first title against my uh, my New York Knicks and that was our uh, last uh, finals run he uh, definitely you know showed he just shows the world how to how to play the game and that's what makes him that's what makes him him and you know like that's that's why Tim Duncan is Tim Duncan I know it's as simple as that sounds, but he just makes things happen. Makes things happen. I'm going to take a quick sound of what Durant and Westbrook felt after the game. Obviously, they are going to be they're going to be taking on the Golden State Warriors. Now, I I feel honestly when you look at this matchup, and I'm going to give my predictions right now. I'm taking Golden State. In six, I I feel like OKC is such a great team. And, you know, with all that urgency because of what's going on with Kevin Durant, is he leaving? Is he not leaving? I think it's important to just have um, OKC to put on a good show and Russell Westbrook is going to be up for this game. You talk about a guy that, you know, he wants to be the best and the goal to be the best. You got to beat the best. Isn't that the old saying? So he's going to be matched up against the best point guard in the NBA. And, you know, he's going to want to try to make sure he can get the job done. So I'm definitely, without shadow of a doubt, taking – I'm taking Golden State. But I feel like Westbrook and Curry is going to be an experience, just an experience. And this is a little bit of what they had to say before we go to break. This is uh, Durant and Westbrook after they defeated the San Antonio Spurs, eliminating them from the playoffs.
11: Everybody obviously was upset that we, we were up to almost 30 points and we let them cut the lead but I'm like man these guys are going to keep fighting into the last to the buzzer sound so we can't you know dig ourselves into even a deeper hole by just beating ourselves up you know when we when we let the lead go so we just got to stay confident man we got this lead by, for a reason and we got it by playing good basketball so we can do that again and uh, I just try to tell my guys that and uh you know we was able to come out and get a you know, some stops and uh, get some huge buckets. Russ was phenomenal at getting downhill uh, late in that game and settling in that three was huge. Um, so we just had to relax. That's the, that's the thing, man. We can't come back to the huddle uh, and, and, you know, be super tense because we know, you know, everybody in the – you know, whoever is watching the game know that you up 30, you cut it to 13, you feel feel terrible. So, you know, we can't have the guys on our bench or us thinking that, damn, this game is getting tight. We just got to go out there and play.
6: Barry Trammell with the Oklahoma. And Kevin, is- it has ever ever how tight it got it ended when surge blocked that drive by duncan with two minutes like whatever it was what went through your mind when you saw surge make that play and sort of knew hey the game's over we've won the series Surge has made a great play to win it
11: oh uh, yeah our game plan was like when tim duncan catching in the pocket you know um just funneling to our bags and surge you know we trusted him to make the play he was huge that block was the game ceiling that was like a that was like a clutch basket, and uh, we, you know, we kind of uh, was able to uh, gain the momentum back after that one. So Coach always been talking to us all season about momentum changing plays, and that was huge for us. So, you know, we're uh, we going to need them to continue to. We are a nation with new no geographic boundaries, bound
1: together through our beliefs. We are like-minded individuals sharing a common vision pushing toward a world rid of color lines.
2: got the worst of that exchange.
10: Well, the fans may have been waiting since last October, but it looks like the Rangers and Blue Jays were waiting since last October. There are some series you don't normally see that kind of fight at a major league game, but you did today. Yeah, generally, it's a lot of posturing. There was no posturing in that. No, nope, sure wasn't. I'll tell you one thing, didn't waste any time getting a few swings in on Bautista either. Bautista, Bautista might be hurt. Good big. Rubin popped him real good. Yeah, he picked the wrong guy to slide into second base hard and yeah, Jeff Bannister right in the middle of things.
5: Yeah, that's still a volatile situation. Yeah,
10: it is. Yes, it is. think they're going to call a double play for Bautista sliding beyond the bat.
0: Alright, so that was the uh, that was the sound of the action that went on yesterday. Uh, for everybody that wasn't, didn't know, uh, Toronto Blue Jays and Texas Rangers now, this is uh, the infielder, Odor, punches Jose Bautista for sliding hard in the second base. Anybody knows baseball, you can't slide hard to the second base, you know. You could obviously injure somebody, but uh, I just... Wow, it's one of the hardest punches you've ever seen, and uh, Jose Batista got clocked pretty good. There's so many like different images online regarding it. We'll have the video up on the website uh, a little bit later today on SportsSocialPod.com. But it was a rough punch. Obviously, cleared the uh, cleared the benches for both teams. Just trying to figure out what happened. I mean, it it was as I've never seen an incident like that just take over. I mean, it literally took over the uh, the internet in terms of people talking about it and uh, expressing their opinions on it. It was a uh, huge, just a huge shot to the face. So, um, obviously, this was from uh, uh, Ronan Odor in regards to you know that was that was him with the punch. But uh, they actually spoke to Jose Batista a little bit after the game and get, got his thoughts on the on the punch. And just to give everybody a little background. These two teams played each other in the ALCS last year. I'm sorry, not the ALCS, the ALDS last year. And the big thing was the bat flip. When Jose Batista hit a home run, he had this this huge bat flip that caused a stir amongst everybody in Major League Baseball because it, it does come off as not traditional. It's uh, disrespectful, and uh, you know he never really paid for it, you know for doing that. So because of that, a lot of people are saying that there's there's still a lot of pent-up aggression and it was taken out in that one fatal punch. Well, not fatal, but it it was a pretty pretty big punch that he took. And uh, like I said, if you ever had a chance to check that out, make sure you look at what happened in regards to last year's ALDS when Jose Bautista with the infamous bat flip after hitting the huge home run to defeat the Texas Rangers in the um, playoff matchup. So this is the audio of what... He had to actually say in regards to the situation, and this is Jose Bautista's thoughts. Better
11: than that, I had a hard slide at
9: second base. I could have, I could have injured him. I chose not to. I uh, just try to send a message that I didn't appreciate getting hit. Um, you know,
11: whatever. As far as what happened inside the
5: scrum out on the field, there's a lot of things going on, mean, we could sit here for the next hour and
11: talk about
9: it. He,
11: he got me, and he
0: ended pretty good, so I have to give him that, but um, takes a little bit of a bigger man, I guess, to knock me down. Ooh, takes a bit of a bigger man to get me. Um, Those are from Batista's words. As the uh, interview afterwards, he's saying that the uh, punch didn't, he didn't knock him out. Obviously, he got up ready to fight still, but um, a huge right hand from Odor. A lot of people don't know about him. And uh, just to give you a little uh, background in terms of you know the social aspect of it. So many tweets in regarding it. Um, now, here's here's just one as an example. This is uh, the Wikipedia page was switched from uh, for both of them actually. This is for for Odor's, uh, page. It says uh, he throws a wicked right hook, and he, they show his like his batting st- his batting uh, stats. He has 246 plus Batista's face. This is one, once again, these are the edits. And it says Odor with the uh, Texas Rangers in 2014. They show a picture of him before punching Batista. People were actually making updates like that. So it was definitely a uh, funny situation for everybody watching. Now, they obviously had to mess with Jose Batista's page as well. And they have listed here, you know, his regular born date, October 19, 1980. They put died May 15th, which was yesterday, 2016. Age 35 in Arlington, Texas, where they played the game. So the internet had a lot of fun with it, and uh, it, it's it's just gonna build the rivalry between these two teams. And we knew that bat flip was gonna come back to haunt him sometime. There's just certain things you just are not gonna get away with when it comes to um, baseball or just any sport. You gotta you just gotta know that that's that's what it is. Hey, who knows? At the end of the day, it's a lot for him to have to deal with. Both team, both players. Well, I say a lot to deal with because both players are gonna have to uh, go through suspensions and and just just a lot. It, it is gonna make it a a mess when they do the suspensions. I'm I'm guessing at least ten games, especially for Adore, at least ten games. But we we don't know for sure. It's gonna be a uh, <laughs> a tough one to figure out. But who else? I want to thank everybody for uh, checking out the show today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, as always. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton here on SoundCast FM. I want to remind everybody: make sure you check out the uh, replays on iTunes. So, if you want more information, go to SportsSocialPod.com. Once again, at SportsSocialPod.com. Um, for everyone listening, have a good one. Catch you tomorrow. Happy birthday, Jan Jackson, still.